welcome back to Simmering Thoughts, where we serve up slow-cooked thinking on Christian life and theology. I'm the host, Ryan Akers, and I want to thank you for listening to this program. This season on Simmering Thoughts, we are looking at discipleship. Specifically, we're looking at how the book of James helps guide someone on a discipleship journey. How are we shaped by the text? How does the text challenge us and move us forward toward growth in Christ? So sit back, settle in, and enjoy this episode of Simmering Thoughts. Welcome back to Simmering Thoughts. My name is Ryan Akers, and I'm the host of the program. And today, as we continue our discussion on discipleship in the book of James, I am joined by Casey Holinchik, who is a pastor from way west of where I am, uh, still a coastal state, but not quite Florida. And I'm going to let him introduce himself just a little bit more. Casey, go ahead. Uh, thank you, Ryan. Um, I am a missionary pastor with Village Missions, uh, last um, assigned to California, um, little town in Northern California. We are on a family break right now, hoping to get placed over the summer into another rural uh, small town in the United States, bring the gospel to places that most people have forgotten about. Um, my wife, uh, Hope, we've been married for 14 years, uh, just introduced our eighth kid, um, about two months ago, and excited to dive in and uh, get into God's Word. I am excited as well, and uh, right now, as the calendar happens to have it while we're recording this, both of us happen to be in a fantasy baseball league that one of my old pastors runs, and uh, we are facing each other this week, and Casey is beating me soundly right now, Uh, (laughs) so understand that there's a little, little fun uh, that's going on around the edges where we have uh, gotten to know each other pretty well over Twitter over the last little bit. And uh, I really enjoy uh, Casey's input on all sorts of things. So I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, we are looking in James. We're going to start in chapter four and bridge over into chapter five. Uh, so we're going to start with chapter four, verse uh, 13. I'm going to stop chapter five, verse six. Uh, I'm using the CSB. Casey, what are you, what do you use? Uh, I've got the ESV here. ESV. Okay. Wanted to make sure that way, as we use different words, we don't confuse the audience too much. That way they know to expect it. Uh, Here's what it says in in the word. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you're like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. Come now, you rich people, weep and wail over the miseries that are coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and your clothes are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have stored up treasure in the last days. Look, the pay that you withheld from the workers who mowed your field cries out, and the outcry of the harvesters has reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You've lived luxuriously on the earth and have indulged yourselves. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. 
You have condemned, you have murdered the righteous who does not you risk who does not resist you. Man, that ends with a down note, doesn't it? <laughs> James is <laughs> James is straightforward, that's for sure. It definitely does not pull any punches at all. Uh, and we've been finding that as we've been going through that that it's uh it's very the one of the phrases the the word that I've been using a lot as we've recorded different episodes is diagnostic. He's like your doctor who gets right to it, diagnoses what's going on and lays it out in front of you. And uh, that's a helpful thing. And as we're talking about discipleship, you know, that's one of the the early steps in the discipleship process is is recognizing where you actually are. Uh, And that's one of the things that this passage does well. So, Casey, within this passage, uh, kind of the the big broad question, uh, what is the what is the relationship between this particular passage and discipleship? Uh, well, you know, when you when you approach me with this passage, and especially with discipleship, I, I wanted to look at it, if I was sitting down across from somebody new to our church or or somebody I met and, and is a new Christian or, or immature Christian, how would we go through this passage? Uh, mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I filtered, filtered through this. And the first thing that jumped out to me, one of the, one of the boldest statements, I think, especially in James, but in, in most of Scripture, uh, verse chapter four, verse seventeen. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Uh, and it just kind of reiterates that that point that for for one there is sin, uh, mm. for two we are all guilty of that, um, and that and we need to know what is right, what is wrong. I think uh, we go back to Romans one and it says that we do know down deep inside, but that doesn't mean that we all consciously know, it. and so trying to sit down with somebody and say, okay, you know, this, this is wrong. Scripture shows that this is wrong and we continue to do it, then we are wrong. Or, um, you know, I think of, um, you know, second Timothy three is another place I went to that, that all scripture is good for teaching, training, rebuke, et cetera, that, that, that we need the standard of God's word to tell us what's right, what's wrong. Any other, um, any other thing that we use to determine that is going to get us off, off track. And so we use our mind, we use our wisdom. This feels right to me. This seems like a good thing to me. This seems like a loving thing. To me. And yet God's word shows that it's not. And so we need to recognize what does God's word say is right? What does God's word say is wrong? And that's hard to do, especially applying it. And, and that's what discipleship is, right? It's learning what God's word says and then applying that to our life. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, and so we, we think of all of these things that we see. You mentioned we, we got to know each other over Twitter and we see this every day. That, that conflict of I'm partly right and partly wrong. And we see it on both sides. They don't recognize the, the part where they're wrong, but um, love your neighbor. Okay, but that neighbor is sinning. How do we... How do we uh, uh, work through that and still love our neighbor while still not accepting the sin? And yeah. we don't tend to be able to walk that line. We tend to have that extreme. We either don't love them because of that sin, or we affirm the sinful lifestyle, which isn't actually loving. You know, and so with, for me, what James is, is getting to there is it's not as easy as it's necessary. What is right? What is wrong? God's word says that. But it's not as simple as just knowing what's right and what's wrong, but doing it as well. 
kind of goes back to that earlier in his, in his letter that I'm excited to be hearing you guys talk about was don't just be doers or hearers of the word, but doers also. You know, we can hear what's right and wrong, but then doing it is often harder than learning uh, what it is. Um, so that, that pendulum that we swing back and forth, um, you know, and, and walking through with people as they're learning that and as they're learning how to apply that is intense often and, and often heartbreaking. Um, discipling people. What I'm hearing, and and as I read through the passage, I hear the same thing that that the wisdom that we gain from from learning what's in God's word should make its way out into our our hands and our feet and our mouth. Uh, and that's that's all dealt with in previous. Uh, and it it also is even to uh, what it is and recognizing who we are. Uh, in terms of our lifespan and in terms of the decisions we're making compared to uh, the, the you know, we've got our grandiose plans that we come up with and the Lord often has different plans for us. And uh, so I'm, I'm curious in terms of uh, a discipleship thought, uh, you know, you attacked kind of the, the end of chapter, the very last of chapter four. If we were to take a step earlier than that, uh, the the idea of, how we do our planning, how we figure out our days. Uh, what are some things that that you hear in there that are are along the lines of discipleship? Yeah, um, you know, it's to me. I read that first, the first part of our passage in chapter four, uh, and it shows how important the new us is. You know, that new us in Christ. That the old is left behind. The old is dead. We are we are new creatures in Christ, and and I think this is for both four and five, but especially four right here. Um, we have to shed our old beliefs, our, mm -hmm. our our actions, our morals, our traditions, our superstitions, our habits, and we have to adopt the new ones that Christ puts on us. And and what that looks like at the end of chapter four here. I'm making these plans. Like you said, I've, I've got these plans. I've got this idea how things are supposed to go. I've got this, uh, uh, you know, life map uh, mapped out for, for what my life is supposed to look like and where things are going to go. Um, and, and, and it's us that's doing that. Yeah. So I will go do this. I will go do that. I will accomplish this. I will, whatever. And the first thing that needs to, to, to change uh, and taking off the old, putting on the new, is that we need to recognize that we have no control. We are not the ones in control, and, and he is. And so in that, you know, God is clear throughout Scripture, yes, we look to the future. We plan. We, we try to be responsible. We, you know, we make a budget and live by that budget. We, we leave an inheritance to our grandkids. We don't... We don't do the opposite of that. We don't just sell everything, quit work, kick back our feet, and wait, as, as Paul addresses Thessalonians. Um, but that right perspective of God is the one that is in control. He determines how long that future lasts. He determines how long we are here on this world. He determines the steps that we take. And in all that we do, it is not our plans that matter, but it's to seek the will of God. Mm -hmm. We don't let that paralyze us because we, we don't maybe not see it clearly. Um, but in all things, seeking that will and, and 
submitting our plans to that will. And I think you and I have both uh, had an opportunity to go through that uh, changing of what our plans were in the last couple of years. You know, you know, what was it? Two and a half years ago, I was looking at, at not really going anywhere, staying in Southern Indiana and, and uh, was exploring the idea of going into ministry. And uh, you were uh, in, in multi years into working at a, a particular church. And now uh, 18 months later, we're two years later, we're, we're both in totally new situations uh, at the Lord's direction and being able Absolutely. to being able to accept those new callings uh, and then to respond to them. Uh, it's, it's a part of the discipleship process. And, and with that is, is often, uh, you know, recognizing the assignment that the Lord has for you. Uh, and that's kind of the, where, in a way, that's where James is going with the next part as we get into chapter five, as he's waking them up to, hey, here were what your plans were. This is not what you're called to. You need to be doing it this way instead. Uh, and he switches to kind of a warning instead of a um, instead of an encouragement, which is kind of where chapter four ends. He goes all in on warning as we get to chapter five. <laughs> uh, Weep and wail over your miseries. Man, that's Nobody likes the miseries and, and we no. try to get out of it, especially our modern age. We've got a, a time period now where we're really pain averse and we're uh, we, we don't want to allow ourselves to sit in pain for very long. We want to get out of it as soon as we can. I don't think that's really necessarily all that new in human history, but it seems like we have an especially bad case of it right now uh, that we're just really pain averse. And it's interesting that those who the world would be successful are the ones that are shown as being uh, in need of this weeping, weeping and wailing. Uh, so how would, what would you do as you were watching, walking through this type of a passage? Well, just first with, I, I really like what you just said about how pain averse we, we are right now as a, as a people. So many think, so many of us think of ourselves, um, you know, we kind of think of ourselves as Job as we're going through some of these things. And the reality is, and, and you just you just triggered this in my mind, is, is we're much more like his wife or his friends. Yeah. You know, that, that, no, okay, do what you need to do to get out of this pain. You can't sit in it. You obviously did something wrong, so fix it and get out of it. And sometimes that's not what's needed. Oftentimes, one would argue, that's not, that's not what's needed. And sometimes we need to have these reminders um, and, and, you know, different, I think it's a different motivation for what Job was going through than what James is talking about here, of course, but that, that idea that you brought up that pain of birth really resonates there. Yeah. Um, I see with James here and tried to, you can, for me, this is one of my, my things where I can get lost in the details of passages like this, try to break down every word and every example and, and all of that. And so what I tried to do is not do that and pull back a little bit. Yeah. And kind of look at a broader, broader thing and, and use the example he's given is kind of a, a, like a business owner. Um, and the, the business practices that you use and that you're running your thing with are, are not good. They're immoral. They're, uh, they're evil. They're wrong, wrong hearts, wrong priorities, wrong thoughts. And then again, you see that change that God does it. 
And now that you are, you know, going into James, now that you're a Christian, now that you are in Christ, those same business practices you were just doing cannot continue. You know, that you need to change all that. And, and maybe that's going to be um, recognizing and sitting in your sin for a while. Maybe that's going to be uh, that your business is going to have to go out of business because it was built on a faulty model. And you're, you're called to something else, going back to, you know, in chapter four. Um, and sometimes that change, all, well, that change will be hard. Uh, sometimes it'll be gradual. And, and slow, and sometimes it'll be extreme and immediate, um, depending on what that change is. And that's something that that I know when I was first, when I first became a Christian, I had a a, a gentleman in our in my church who helped me walk through some of that stuff. I was struggling with why isn't this changing yet? Uh, and he walked, he helped me walk through that. Sometimes it's a slow, gradual, you know, change as opposed to, you know, that. I came to Christ and I never had, you know, a, a sinful thought the rest of my life. If that's if that's you, great. That's wonderful. Most of us are not uh, not that same way. Although there should be an immediate change in some ways. Yeah. But what what I see here is just that recognition of your sins, that repentance of them, and the the, the necessity of there being a change from what was before to what is now. And I think part of that is seen in, uh, you know, this is this this chapter five part is largely an exercise in loving your neighbor, uh, as the business owner is withholding wages. Uh, effectively, he's stealing wages from his employees and using it on himself. Yes. And uh, you know, that's something that all of us have the opportunity to work ourselves through, not necessarily as employers, although there are applications we can take this to uh, in daily life. Uh, first thing that pops into my mind in terms of application would be while we're sitting at a table and getting ready to tip a waitress, uh, are we doing that honorably? Are we honoring the the work that that person is doing? Uh, and yeah. it, it also makes me think of uh, just the way we go about using our time even uh, and, and that we're focusing on building the kingdom and not building our own kingdoms. Uh, which is yes. kind of, again, that that's coming through here. And so often, uh, even seasoned saints need that reminder really loudly. <laughs> and I think that's part of the re reason James is ringing the bell so much here is that it's it's not necessarily for the new new believer at this point. These are things that, that are sometimes down the line a little bit. Uh, how you make your plans and, and how you deal with your money may not be the very first set of things that a new Christian deals with. And from a discipleship standpoint, knowing when to shift from, from into dealing with a particular area versus another, uh, that can be sometimes a really big challenge. I, you know, absolutely. And I, you know, that's the thing that we all need to remember is that we are never beyond needing and, and having discipleship, discipleship on us. You know, yeah, we, we are to go out and make disciples, but we're one of those disciples that are being made as well. Um, and so we always need to be uh, attuned to that. And it's so easy to think that we are doing work for God's kingdom. Because, like, you know, again, going back to that pendulum, right? if my neighbor is doing this, 
how can it be loving to accept them doing that? And so we, we, we swing to the, the different extremes, but, the, but that reminder of just because my neighbor might be doing something wrong, doesn't mean that I'm doing the opposite and that makes it right. It, there's, there's definitely that, that how do we go about doing it? You know, how do we go about uh, showing them what is right? How do we go about, how do we go about accepting from others? Hey, yo, Ryan, you, you come to me and say, hey, I noticed you said this or you had this attitude in a, in a conversation on, on whatever. Um, you know, you, you, you might want to think about that. You might want to look at that. Where's your heart? Where's your attitude in that, in that conversation? Uh, I need to be open to that. Yeah. And I need to, to be able to take an honest look at that. Um, we're never, none of us are ever beyond having that uh, discipleship, that, that instruction, that, that uh, if it gets to that point, that rebuke um, about how we are doing and where our hearts and our, our, our attitude lie, whether it's God's kingdom that we're serving or, or we're tricking ourselves into thinking it's our own kingdom or we're thinking it's God's kingdom, but really it's our own, like you were saying. And, and in addition to that, it, it kind of makes me think back to Galatians uh, where Paul is challenging Peter and he basically holds, comes up to him and says, uh, you realize that what you're doing is completely opposite of what you're saying, right? And, and <laughs> you know, that kind of rebuke in public, you know, that's a, that's a pretty harsh thing to do at times. And yet, you know, we, we get that same tone often in Paul's letters, and we have it here in James as well, that, that stern correction. And so as a, as a disciple, uh, learning how to, to take that correction well, uh, this passage can kind of train us toward that. Absolutely. That's, uh, you know, that's, that's something I've had to uh, really recognize in myself over the last number of months is that, that correction or um, what is the word I'm looking for? Not criticism, but uh, feedback, you know, and, and, and mm -hmm. different things. And, being able to recognize, okay, what, what in this is true that I need to take away from this? What isn't, you know, because, you know, people only have so much of a view into what's going on. Uh, and then if there is truth in that, I need to take that. And I, need, I am then responsible, as he says in, in verse 14, 17, 417, if I now know that what somebody has told me I need to change is the truth, I am now responsible for changing that. Otherwise, I am in sin. If somebody tells me I'm doing something wrong and I, I see the truth in that, now I am responsible to change that. And if I don't change that, I am in sin. And it's not the person who warned you about it that's the one in sin, <laughs> which which we have exactly. a hard time. We have a hard time with that one, don't we? Oh, Absolutely. I, I think of how many times I have... Uh, as a teacher that I've corrected a student or given them a different way to, you know, presented a different way to look at something and they haven't heard it. Well, they've heard it as an attack and the, the, the instant defense mechanisms that get thrown up. Uh, and then I think about different times that I've done that towards scripture where, you know, there's something in scripture that's correcting me and, and resetting my perspective. And I want to, I want to throw up those defense mechanisms and excuse-making options 
and see if I can wiggle my way out of it instead of facing up to it and being honest about it. Uh, one of the things that we said in a, a previous episode, one uh, from ch- chapter one all the way back to there, is that it's it's hard. We were talking about uh, how we pray through discipleship, and and the conversation then was that it it is hard to be honest with God at times, and yet He knows anyway. So why are we even trying to to slip around it? But it's still really hard sometimes to be honest with God. Oh yeah. And, you know, and, and I wonder how much of that is, is that same thing we're talking about here is because then if we're honest with him, then we're recognizing it and then we're responsible. You know, it's that, that so much of this plays into so many different things, especially within James, but in all of scripture, yeah. you know, the same points over and over and over in different ways, you know, in, in, in different uh, settings and different ways of saying it in different scenarios it's, it's all the same points over and over again throughout scripture and if we can if we can recognize it in one place then we'll start seeing it in all the places and then we'll see this is a really big deal yeah i can't I, ideally then we're, we're at the point i can't afford to ignore this to defend myself you know the, the more people that come to you with the critique ideally then you're like okay well if enough people are saying this maybe there's some truth you know, and, and again, that can be tough. I, those defense mechanisms are strong and they often will pop up without us even thinking about it. Yeah. They're not conscious often. They're not, they're, they're instinctual. And uh, being able to recognize those is, is huge. Be able to get past that to see what, what God is saying we're supposed to do, what, what, what James is saying here. Um, that we're supposed, how we're supposed to be living. Um, you know, we have to get past the defense mechanisms to, to really be able to see that, that veil that God lives, that the Holy Spirit lifts from our eyes. Um, we have to get past that. And that's that's not easy to do. Definitely not easy to do. Uh, so, well, I'm going to ask one more question, and this one's going to be a little bit off the board. Uh, it's not okay. one that I've asked in any of the other episodes. And but at the same time, I think it will be uh, something that can shape how we hear the rest of the book. Uh, and so with this passage, with it being as uh, direct as it is, uh, I guess the, the the easiest way to think of the question is, uh, how have how is your view of this particular passage or similar passages uh, changed over the years to where you can kind of track and kind of see your development in discipleship? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Thanks for making me the first one you asked that to. <laughs> um, you know, it's especially the end of chapter four there. That's a, a very familiar passage. Um, it's easy to have a, a superficial, at least, uh, understanding. Or, or most people have sat through a sermon on, on you know, verses 13 through 16 there, um, that you're not the one in control, that, that God's the one that makes a plan, that, you know, all, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just the, the depth that I can see in that uh, is, is not something I can necessarily quantify. Right. Uh, but, 
but it's huge. And then just the, the fact that the beginning of chapter five is not one that I just read past, you know, and, and gloss over. Um, it's not a comfortable passage to read. That's it really sure. isn't, especially when you try to apply it to yourself. Um, scripture in general is just, you, you read through and you read through and you read through, you read the same passage and you see so much more to it. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if you were looking for necessarily like a, a, a specific example sort of thing. I don't have that necessarily. Just yeah. these are uh, both two passages that the more you sit with, the more you read through and, and don't just read past, um, that can that can change your lives and and, and have changed my life for sure. It's hard to uh, to quantify sometimes, and it's really even sometimes for me. There are some passages I have a hard time remembering back to when I didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know these are these are passages that they can they can cause a bit of a rough spot, and and you can get a little touchy with them, <laughs> especially at first. And uh, they are easy to read past because as, as you read, I've found that as I, as I really dig into a section, the first few times, I think of everybody else that needs to hear that and not necessarily myself. And I think that's one of the, the bigger things that I've picked up in repetition is that uh, it's easier now having gone through the repetitions of it to first think about myself rather than think of a list of three people who this could apply to, because this is all supposed to apply to me. You mentioned uh, the first Timothy, uh, uh, second Timothy passage, where all scripture is useful for these things. Well, all scripture is useful to be applied for teaching and rebuke. uh, But the question is who's being taught and who's being rebuked. And if we don't start with me, now we're starting to sit. Uh, I can't think of what the passage is right now, but we're sitting as judge over the scriptures rather yes. than sitting under the scripture with scripture being the judge. Amen. And so, well, I I, I wanted to, to hit that question just because it's a, uh, it's a little bit different question. And I, this is a little bit different passage than some of the others are in terms of how straightforwardly direct and and uh really finds those pressure points and pins down on them really hard uh and so i i wanted to to look at that in terms of you know we don't come to scriptures the same way after 10 years that we did when we first started uh we should start to pick up a rhythm of what the text is saying and start to hear echoes back and forth between passages uh and so if that's something as a, as a listener, if that's something that you're struggling with, you know, what my suggestion would be, would be to dig in more and to, to, to take time to journal or write down reflections or whatever it is, write down an outline even of what you're reading. And that'll help to build those connections. Uh, is there any advice like that that you'd like to add, tack on? Um, I'll just throw one thing out there. Um, what you did with these passages, putting these two passages together as one, uh, one one piece here mm-hmm. um because it's real easy the first the first one end of chapter four okay <laughs> read that okay i know that okay yeah i do that most of the time i need to work on that a little bit okay and move on right and then we 
kind of, as I mentioned earlier, kind of recast the beginning of chapter five. Putting those together, feels like James is saying, okay, this is what you need to do. Okay, you think you're doing a little bit. So now I'm really going to get into what that means, what that looks like. Yep. Uh, so I appreciate you putting those two passages together. And so that's be my advice is if you're reading through a passage, what is the passage before or the passage after? How do they connect with it? Yeah. And give a deeper sense to what it means. That is a fantastic note to leave off on. Uh, So we're going to put a pin in it right there. Uh, Next week, we will pick up in uh, chapter five and and move forward a little bit. Uh, And want to say to Casey, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, It's wonderful to have you on and to to have an opportunity to fellowship over the word for a little bit. My pleasure, my honor. Thank you for the invite. Well, everybody, we hope that you will uh, have a wonderful week in the Lord and that you will spend some good time in Scripture. And uh, we will hopefully... You'll hear from us next week, and hopefully we'll hear from you through social media or through email or however that might be. Uh, Have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Simmering Thoughts. You can find us online with your favorite social media at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also email us at simmeringthoughts at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on these episodes. With that in mind, if you enjoyed what you heard, please go to your favorite podcast catcher and like and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.